0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, raise your hand and we'll give you one. Um, it's kind of cool to follow along. And... Uh... That way you can make sure I'm, 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 I'm telling you the truth, you know. I don't know about this guy right here. He looks kind of funny. <laughs> That's why I share with you guys, wherever you go to church, make sure they love you and they teach you the Bible. And so you got to, you know, bring your Bible. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. You just let us know and we'll give you one. But right here in Luke chapter 11, we have some pretty heavy lessons for us today. We read in verse 33. It says in Luke 11, 33, No one... When he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. You know, it's common sense. Jesus says you would never buy a lamp, you would never light a lamp, and you know, hide it somewhere secret, put it under a basket. No, when you get a lamp, you set it on the table. As a matter of fact, we even fasten our lights on the ceiling so that the lights can light the room. That's what Jesus is saying. It's common sense. And the same is true in the spiritual sense. We read in verse 34, "...the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light... Having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. You know, if you can for a second, you know, visualize your body as a house. Your body is kind of like a house that you live in. Now consider what it would be like living in a house where there is no light. There's no lamp. You don't have one, either that or it doesn't work. And so think about it. You go into the house and it's pitch black, total darkness. You're going to have some problems, huh? You're not going to be able to do a whole lot. As a matter of fact, I remember one time when it was dark in here, I remember walking through the sanctuary and somebody put a booby trap right there. I remember, man. And boom, I hurt myself. And getting older, it takes longer to heal, right? Uh, And that's what happens when you're living in a house and a place Where there is no light, you will fall. And so the Lord here gives an illustration and he says right here that what it's going to take to have light within your house is there in verse 34. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. And it's a real simple scripture. Some people wonder, what's the eye? What's the eye? The eye is the eye. That's what the eye is, you know? (laughs) It's a real simple thing, man. And when you have a good eye, you're going to have light. When you have bad eyes, you're not going to have light. And to have good eyes touches partially on what we see, but to have good eyes touches primarily on how we see. You know, what you see, what are you guys looking at, you know? What are we really looking at? You know, praise God, you guys are here today in church and you're looking at the Word of God. That's a great, great place to look, right? You know, what are we looking at? When your eye is good, looking at good things, then it's all good. But when with your eyes you're checking out chicks, you're beholding the bad, trash TV, movies seriously marred with madness, reading and heating junk, books and magazines, feeding yourself you know, garbage, you even pay to go hear them use God's name in vain, profanity, F-bombs. When your eyes are bad, you're not going to have the light that's necessary. You see, part of it is what you see, another part of it is how you see. You know, and we all see things differently, you know, I can see that right there, I can see that person who's down and out and hopefully my heart is it goes out to them. But others, when they look at those that are down and out, they look down on those who are down and out. It's amazing to me how two people can see the same situation totally different. One will say, let me help you. The other will say, what a bum. Go get a job. See, it's about not only what you see, but it's about how you see. We must see life and people the way that God sees them. Because if not... Our house is going to be dark. That's all Jesus is saying. You know, a good eye is controlled by a good heart. And when your eye is good, it ushers in the light, while a bad eye only brings the absence of light. You know, one man can look at a woman, he can say, oh, I want her for myself. You're married, she's married, doesn't matter. I want her for myself. One man will look at a woman and see her that way. Another man will look at a woman and say, I want her for the Lord. God, save her. God, do a work in her life. You see, it's not just what you see. It's how you see. The first man's walking in darkness while the second is living with light. And God needs to touch our eyes. God needs, gives us the good eyes. We need to be, if I could say this, good-looking people. You guys, can you do that? Can you be good-looking people? And you're like, yeah, I am. I You know, when you look with eyes that are good and you see life with the lenses of the Lord. Sometimes I see these people and they're hurting and they've had no direction their whole life. And your heart just goes out to them. While others they don't see anything. Why? Because beauty is in the eye of what? The beholder. See, we need to ask God to touch our eyes and change things. We need to change, you know, what we see. If, I, if You know, I encourage you, man, learn this scripture, Psalm 101, verse 3. Put it on a, on a, you know, a, a, some type of a, a thing you can put right on top of your TV. Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. A great verse for you to put right there. We need to take care on what we see But we need to take care on how we see. You know, today I encourage you, ask God to give you his heart. Ask God to give you his heart. Because otherwise you'll have no hope. But when God gives you his heart, you're going to see things differently. You guys remember Peter, right? It's a great example for us. Peter was a man who was a fisherman, uneducated. You know, and more than likely, if anyone looked at Peter... Or when Peter looked at Peter, they saw absolutely nothing significant. He's just a fisherman. He's just a fisherman. As a matter of fact, he's a sinful fisherman. See, that's what we would see with our own eyes. But what did Jesus see? He saw a fisher of men. Huh? He saw the leader of the church. He wasn't sophisticated, he wasn't educated, but the Lord saw him the potential to be used on the day of Pentecost and to preach the sermon in which thousands would come to the Lord. You see, that's what happens when you see things with the lenses of the Lord, you see deeper. God shows you things. And when you have good eyes, you see that. And it's like your house, your life is full of light. And I remember the story in Luke chapter 7, we went over it, when this sinful woman, she came over, you know, when they were having this, you know, get together, this dinner, the Pharisee had invited Jesus over, and you know what? She was probably a prostitute, man. She probably had sex with somebody the day before, you know, but here she is, and for some reason, man, she's drawn to Christ. And so she comes in, and bottom line is, when you look at her whole story, you realize that God had reached her, that God had broken her. And she came to Jesus, and she was weeping, and her hair was just there hanging, and she begins to wipe his feet with her tears and kiss them. And she's repentant. What does the Pharisee say? The Pharisee says, If this man were a righteous man, he would know what manner of woman touches him. She is a sinner. What did the Pharisees see? He saw a sinner. What did Jesus see? Someone sincere. It's all a matter of our perspective. You know, I talk to people and sometimes I think we get Christianity confused. And I've got to be careful that I don't teach a Christianity of works You know what? We need to try to be good people, man. And we got to try to live a life of holiness. We must be men and women of integrity and character. But that doesn't get you into heaven. It's the blood that does. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that gets us in. And so here we are today. And we say, here I am, Lord. I'm pretty messed up. But I know what you see when you look at me. I know when you look at me, you see me forgiven. And what that does, it gives us a springboard to go forward. You see here in looking at this, we see the Lord is going to be dealing with these Pharisees who unfortunately, man, they did not see things the way the Lord did. Look what we see next. It says in verse 37, And he spoke, as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. And so he went in and sat down to eat. Now, just as a quick side note, I love the fact that Jesus is always grubbing. I love that. You know, we fasted yesterday and that had its place. But man, whenever you see the life of Christ, he's always eating with people. It could be a scribe, a Pharisee, a tax collector. It doesn't matter. You know, there he is with his disciples, with the thousands. He's eating, right? And so it says in verse 38, when the Pharisees saw it, He marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Now, if you have a pen, you might want to circle the words, saw it. He saw it. What did he see? Did he see that the Savior of the world was in his house? Did he see the Messiah, the Master, the Maker in his house? No, what did he see? He saw that Jesus didn't wash his hands. That's what he saw. You see, that's what happens when you have bad eyes. He had bad eyes. He was not a good-looking man, right? You know, the Pharisees had their ways of washing their hands. You know, for them, it wasn't just a matter of, okay, he didn't have his disinfectant with him. It wasn't just a matter of, you know, wow, well, we should give them some wipies or whatever. No, for them it was a really big issue because what the Pharisees had was they had this tradition, a certain way that they would wash their hands. It was so bad. Now think about this for a second. This is the religious leaders. These are the leaders, right? And so they had certain water. It was a special water, not just any water. And they would take the water and they would pour it on the fingertips and they would go up the hand to the wrist, And then after they were done with that, then they would take their fist and they would cleanse this palm and they would take their fist and they would cleanse this palm. And then when they were done with that, they would go back and then they had to pour the water from the wrist now down to the fingertips. And if you didn't wash your hands like that, then you were in sin. That's how bad the Pharisees had become. Jesus said, You've nullified the Word of God through your traditions. And so he saw what? He saw what? He saw Jesus didn't wash his hands. And just as another side note, I love that he didn't wash his hands, man. Every once in a while, my son will say, You didn't wash your hands, Dad? You know, because some people are afraid of germs, right? More than they are sin. I encourage you guys, man, every once in a while, just, you know, go out in the yard. I don't know, and then come in and just eat a sandwich, like with that with the extra nutrients, you know. How many of you here just out of curiosity ate dirt when you were growing up? I did. <laughs> I remember. i you know, that's probably why I messed up, but I remember. <laughs> I'll never forget. You know how you have little glimpses of your life. I still remember sitting there in the middle of all that dirt and just eating. I still remember that. You know, I'm still alive. As long as you pray for your food. <laughs> You're going to be okay. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. And don't worry about the traditions of men. Don't worry about that. We all have our traditions. But there's a difference between our convictions and between what the Bible says. Make sure you don't exalt them above the word of God. That was their problem. They had bad eyes. And therefore, when Jesus came in, they didn't see him. You know, we know in looking at this that the Pharisees was freaking out, bad eyes, not good looking, why? Right? Because Jesus didn't wash his hand. And so what ends up happening? The Lord now begins to rebuke him. And we read here in the scriptures, notice what it says in verse 39. Then the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees, make this outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed. And wickedness, foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of rich things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. You see, the thing about the Pharisees is that they were really good on the outside. Really good on the outside, but not on the inside. They weren't. You know, and you know, that's kind of an interesting comparison. Let's just say you got a cup of whatever, cold coffee, I don't know would you rather have clean the inside or the outside you know i mean you know you're pouring everything in see when it comes to the lord first samuel 16:7 this is what i learned god does not look at the outward appearance man looks at the outward appearance god looks where at the heart See, and the Pharisees were really good. On the outside, everything looked good. But Jesus said on the inside, this is your problem. This is one of your problems anyways. You do not love God. You do not love man. You love money. You're wicked and greedy. And you love money and the things that money can buy. And so the Lord said, you know, you put on a good show, but man, you're not real. In verse 41, the Lord essentially says, give from your heart to those in need. And then everything will be clean for you. And once again, I learn and I see as I read the Bible, alms is giving to the poor. How important it is for us to have that heart. To give to the poor. To give to the poor. You know, sometimes the problem with giving to the poor is leaders. And I'm talking to myself. A lot of this right here is talking to us as leaders. God's going to rebuke us. God's going to set us straight, Right? God's going to attempt to reach us and make us real. Because I know sometimes as leaders, you know, you get a homeless person over here, you get a person over here struggling financially, whatever, and they need money, okay? And what do we do? Usually as a leader, we say, are they real? Are they real? Are they trying to rip us off? Are they real? And a lot of leaders are like that. But the better question is, are you real? Because here's this person, they're hurt, they're down and out, they have nothing, they never had anything their whole life. And may need someone's real. It's not whether they're real, you know, and we need to use wisdom, and I'm not talking about throwing your money away, but I'm talking about you and I being real. Do we really care for them? Would we be willing to be there with them? See, they looked good on the outside, but they weren't real. On the inside, the Lord said, I see what's really going on. In verse 42, notice what the Lord says. It says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You know, and this was the law of the Jews to tithe. To tithe means to give a tenth to God to give 10% of your income to God. And so there you are, you get paid and you give 10% to God. For the Jew, it meant that he was to give the first fruit of the crop and the firstborn and the animal. He was to give the best of the best, the fat of the firstborn. And the Pharisees were even meticulous in giving from their little gardens. How many of you here grow, you know, gardens at home? Like you got tomatoes, cucumbers, things like that. Can I have some? Those are good stuff, right? <laughs> that's the best man because you know you, you ripen your f- tomatoes on the vine and oh they're so good right not like the stores but anyways you know you had your little garden your little what is it Yad the, even the Yadva Wena, right your little herbs and you would take they were so meticulous in their little rules and regulations giving 10% to God they would give 10 for, oh this belongs to God you know we got to take it to God but they did not love people they didn't love people And the Lord says, Woe to you. Woe to you. You see, they they had a problem, man. Jesus said, That's cool, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, like justice and love. In verse 43, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocrites, For you are like graves which are not seen and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. I mean, these guys wanted to be important and prominent, detected and respected. And you know, in those days you could easily tell a Pharisee, why? Because he had this long gown on, right? A long gown and he had maybe a hat. He had the phylacteries, he'd put them on his wrist. Maybe right there on the forehead, he had the tassels, the way he walked, and you're like, "Ooh, there's a Pharisee, right?" I mean, you could see them, and then they had their seats up in front in the synagogue. They would have seats up here facing the congregation. Have you ever been to a church like that where they have, you know? I'm not, not going to judge them all, but that's kind of weird to me. You know, that's where they were. They wanted to be prominent, important, respected, and detected. They wanted people to greet them in a certain way. You know, one thing I've learned, especially coming to Calvary Chapel, man, is that. You know, being a pastor, being a leader, you know, you're you're just one of the guys, huh? You know, sometimes people even look at me and they say, you're a pastor? You don't look like a pastor. <laughs> and I say, I know, it doesn't matter. I got my Converse, my Levi's, my T-shirts, but pray that my heart is right. See, God doesn't look on the out. He looks on the end, right? These guys right here were way off. They were legalistic hypocrites. They had a million rules and regulations, but they themselves we're not real. That's why we read there. Look what it says in verse 44. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Imagine you go to your backyard and you're playing. You guys remember that game we used to play, huarachis? You know, you throw the washer into the cup. Any of you guys play that? No? I thought you were Mexicans, man. I guess not. Anyways, man, I remember playing those games. And imagine, you know, you go back there one day and then your friend comes over and he says, man, I can't believe you're playing that game right there. And they like, they're like, why? And they're like, hey, man, because we, you know, buried Uncle Joe right there, man. He's underneath, you know, <laughs> on the ground. And he'd be like, weird. But here's the thing, for a Jew, if that was the case, if there is a dead body underneath there, this is an unmarked grave, then you would be unclean. You'd be defiled. You couldn't go to the temple. You'd be separated from God. And what Jesus is saying to them is, you, like, you guys are like unmarked graves. And that everybody who comes in contact with you gets jacked up. Because what you teach them is rules and regulations. And not a relationship. What you teach them is performance. And not grace. And sometimes we can be hard on our kids. We can be hard on people. And we don't realize how gracious God has been to us. I can testify to that, you guys. I'm the chief of all sinners. I mess up. You know, talk to my family. No, don't talk to my family. (laughs) But I do know this, that when I die, I'm going to heaven. But it's not because I'm good, it's because He's good. It's not because of what I've done, it's because of what He's done. It's not my blood, it's His blood. You see... And we got to be so careful that we don't turn Christianity into rules and regulations. They took the Ten Commandments, they made 612 commandments. We need to take the Ten Commandments and make two commandments: love God and love people. If you do that, you're going to be okay. Augustine said, love God and, and do what you want. If you really love God, you're going to do what's right. See, the Lord was rebuking these leaders because they were so far off. And I think many times, you know, I can do the wrong thing, and I can say the wrong thing, and I can be off, and we can be off. And one day, God's going to hold these leaders accountable. You know, we as under-shepherds have been given this privilege of responsibility of tending to the most precious commodity on planet earth, and that is God's people. And one of the things the Lord wants to share with you is this that it's not about rules and regulations, it really is about a relationship with God. You know, the Pharisees were way off, and so the people that were discipled by them were way off. They were good on the outside, but not on the inside. They didn't really care for the poor. They did the religious things good, but not the real things. And therefore, they duplicated and doubled their depravity with their so-called disciples. And so when Jesus is telling these guys this, their friends got mad. And so look what happens in verse 45. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. And the Lord said, cool, let me get you. Verse 46. Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. If you want to be a Christian, you better straighten up your act. You want to be a Christian, you better do this list of ten things. If you want to be a Christian, man, you know what? And we get all these things and we tell people like that. And you know what? That's not the way it works. Repent of your sins and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you do that, He will write your name in the book of life. It's simple. Jesus said, come to me. You know, you don't have to get hypnotized, canonized, you know, baptized. You don't have to go through all the ceremonies. You don't have to go through all the classes. All you got to do is come to the Lord just come to him just as you are he'll never turn you away and we did that and he saved us and it still doesn't change you just still come to the lord what we do a lot of times is we put these heavy burdens on people a million thousand gazillion things that you got to do and it's crushing them and there you are as a leader you're not even willing to help them you're not willing to do the same thing yourself Romans chapter 2, it says, You who teach others not to steal, do you steal? You who teach don't commit adultery, do you commit adultery? That's why James 3 verse 1, it says, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you receive a stricter judgment. You see, these lawyers were crazy. They took the Ten Commandments, they made 612. And what they did is they told the people that you have to do these things in order to inherit eternal life. And so what happens? The Lord, He warns them in verse 47, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers for they indeed killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them they will kill and persecute that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. And what we see here is the Lord is just basically saying to them, listen, man, you know, you guys are building the monuments for the prophets and, you know, you think that's cool. But rather than building a tomb for the prophet, why, why not listen to the prophet? Why wait until he's dead to honor him? Why not honor him while he's alive? You've probably heard that saying, don't wait until they die or until the funeral to send them flowers. You guys have heard that? That's basically what he's saying for you guys. For you ladies, yeah, you're like, yeah, that's true. Flower power, yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord is just basically saying, you know, here I am, the prophet, the prophet, with a capital P, standing right in front of you, giving you the truth. Why not listen now while I live? Why are you wait until they die? Because then it will be too late. The Lord is saying, as a result of that, I'm telling you this right now, you guys are going to get judged. This generation will be required. They're going to receive the judgment from Abel, from the foundation of the world, book of Genesis, chapter 4, all the way down to where they were at, Zacharias, God says, this generation will receive the judgment. And 1.2 million Jews died. Why did they die? Because they did not listen. See, what God is saying to us is just listen. I love you. Be real. Be transparent. That's all. Don't pretend. How many of you here, just out of curiosity, are good actors? You're good actors. Come on. I know some of you here are good actors. I know I'm a good actor. I was a star in third grade play. I was a star, man. I don't know if I was Santa Claus or John the Baptist. I was one of those. But I remember, man, I was a good actor. I mean, I was. Some of you here are good actors. How many of you here have been in plays, just been in plays? Man, man. All right, anyways, um, maybe I should just do a different illustration. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) You know, some of you here are terrible actors, huh? And you put them in the play and they're like, oh, they're not good, you know? Sometimes being a good actor is not good though because I can put on a show and I can pretend like everything's good. You know what that is? Hypocrisy. And that's not what God wants. I think what God is saying is just be real Manny, you know what? Let's get this out in the open. You are a sinner. You know, sometimes people will look at the pastor or look at the leader and they'll say, well, you know what? That guy's got it all together. He's like the best guy in the church. Let me tell you, that's farthest thing from the truth. It really is. Um, you know, I would say there are a million men in this church that are better than me. See, that's not the way it works. It's just a way of where God wants us and it's just not an element of being transparent and honest. Because otherwise, we're going to find ourselves one day on the wrong side of the judgment. You see, the lawyers here, they have their ways of taking things. Look what it says in verse 52. What are you, lawyers? For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. What's the key of knowledge? Well, the key of knowledge is what? The Bible. It's a, that's a, the that's a way... We look at this, the key of knowledge, how to get to heaven. It's right here. But the lawyers had messed it up. They made it so sophisticated and complicated. They said the only way you're going to understand is you've got to be educated. Sometimes some churches say, don't read the Bible, you won't be able to understand it. It's a lie. Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He lives within us. You read the Bible, just take it at face value and you watch what God will teach you. But the lawyers, man, they had made it so weird. And so the Lord says to them, listen, man, you guys are in big trouble. You scribes, you Pharisees, you leaders, you are not on my team. And one day I will judge you. We learn a lot in their mistakes. But look what ends up happening in verse 53. And he said these things to them. The scribes and the Pharisees began to do what? Assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him, and seeking to catch him in something that he might say that they might accuse him. They were really mad, yelling, questioning, accusing, because they just wanted him to die. And so we see two things, bad eyes and bad examples, right? And so the Lord says here in chapter 12, verse 1, in the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have Spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. You know, we look at that guy right there and we say, Oh, that guy, he's such a good guy. He's such a good guy. I bet you he's never spoken a bad word. Oh, yes, he has. There he is in the inner room speaking into the ear of his wife, abusing her verbally. And what the Lord says in closing, and I just want to give you guys three things that you can kind of Hold on to. Maybe you can write them down. Maybe you can meditate upon it later. Number one is the word optometry. Have you guys ever heard that word before? Optometry. And what that is, is the practice of profession of examining the eyes. Let's examine our eyes. Do we have good eyes? And that means what do we see? And that means how do we see? Optometry. That we might have the light of the Lord. Secondly, is the word hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Don't just be an actor, be real. I'll try to be real with you. We need to be real with each other. When that transparency takes place, when, you know, we just walk in the light as He is in the light we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins. That hypocrisy is like leaven. And the Bible says in Galatians 5.9 that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Number one, optometry. Number two, hypocrisy. And then number three, prophecy. Prophecy. And there's two things that we see here in our text. Number one, indignation. Judgment. Judgment if you're here today and you do not repent, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't want Jesus. I don't need Jesus. Then I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You will be judged. You will be judged in the righteous indignation of God. That's the prophecy. God doesn't want that to happen to anyone. And so, man, I encourage you today, humble yourself. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And you know, And I don't know if there's anyone here who doesn't know the Lord, but you know, and I and I say this over and over again because I always talk to people and I ask them, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Most of them say yes. And I say, why would you go to heaven? And they say, because I never killed anybody, you know. They say, I never did any time or whatever. I'm a pretty good person. And I always try to tell them, listen, you'll never be good enough on your own to get to heaven because you've got to be perfect. See, sin separates us from God. And so you'll never be good enough. You need Jesus. It's like a drowning person out there in the you know ocean. They're drowning and they're saying, I'm going to do it. No, you're not. You need a Savior. Jesus died for you. Give your life to Him. Very simple. Right? Otherwise the judgment will come. You see, looking at the prophecy, we see indignation, but we also see revelation. And that's what the Lord says right there. And we'll close with that. The Lord says, everything you say in the secret places, I want you to know, one day it will be publicized. I don't know how that's going to work. Kind of a mysterious thing. I know that we as Christians won't be judged for our sins, but somehow, some way, all those little things that you say... And all those little things that you do that you see nobody, you think nobody watches, nobody sees, it's being video, you know, taped. I mean, HD, I mean, it's really gonna be there. And and so what is the Lord, why does he say that? So that today we'd get ready for that day, and that we would live in light of that day. And that we would just totally do our best to say, Lord, do a work in my life, tame my tongue, Lord God, handle my heart. God, make me real. I can't do it on my own strength, but Lord, if you help me, if you help me, Lord, I know I can. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that, you know, you've given us basic instructions before leaving earth. I thank you so much you've given us the Bible, God, the key of knowledge, Lord. And I just really pray that you would continue to teach us your word. And I just want to continue to pray, Lord, for everyone here. God, I know how much you love them. And I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. That today, Lord, they would know how much, Lord, you love them. And how beautiful are the plans that God has for their life. And that there is no one too far. And there's no pit too deep. And there is no one, Father God, that cannot be reached Today, by you. And so Lord, please, God, please, I beg of you, Lord. I beg of you, Lord. Please touch every person here, Lord. We're all in different places, Lord. We're all different, but you're the same. You are the everlasting, unchanging, almighty God. And are, touch us and change us. And I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626 Remember, that Jesus loves you.